Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Dave DeVito. Welcome to Trades Work, the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association podcast. We showcase the skilled trades our society depends on. The women and men of our industry, building our skylines, building our communities, building our futures. Our show starts now. I hope everybody listening today had a wonderful Thanksgiving. This time of year is when we like to take a moment to count our blessings. We're lucky to work for a robust industry full of opportunities. It's also a time when we can give back to people and families in need. We believe in our community and, as an industry, regularly donate our time, treasure, and talent to help others. Oftentimes, these stories go unnoticed. There are countless examples of projects and simple acts of kindness by the women and men in the trades, and we're grateful for all of their efforts. Our guest today has led some of those efforts, and we're looking forward to learning a little bit more. So let's jump in. Our guest today is Apprenticeship Council President for Pipefitters Local 208, Rusty Birdsell. Our goal is to ask him about his career choices, his role as Apprenticeship Council President, and his drive to give back to our community. Rusty is the driving force behind Local 208's food drive and works with Habitat for Humanity. Rusty, welcome to our show. Hello. Hey, before we get started uh, to talk about your work in the community, tell us a little bit about your career path. How did you pick pipe fitting as the industry that you wanted to pursue, and how did you come into the trade? Um, I kind of ended up here by chance. I was always wanting to turn wrenches and uh, was good at fixing things. My dad is an automotive technician. I ended up not going that route, and I worked for a soda company for quite a long time and ended up working next to an HVAC company for a week worth of nights. And... uh they got to watch me do what I did, and I watched what they did, and they said, you'd be really good at this. Why don't you come over and do this? So that's how I ended up doing HVAC. That's great. How about how long ago was that, Rusty? Just a little over six years in that I've been in the trades. So those unfamiliar with our industry, what is the Apprenticeship Council president, and um, how did you wind up pursuing this position? Well, I actually ended up being the president just kind of by chance or by lead by example. I've, I've been a member of the council for four years now. I'm a fourth year apprentice this year. And uh, each year your class votes in a representative. And I've been the one voted in for my class every year that I've been in the apprenticeship. And uh, ironically, I actually missed the meeting that I got voted in to be the president. But I believe my name got thrown in there because I've only missed maybe two or three meetings and going on four years. So they thought, why not have me be the president? <laughs> it teaches all of our listeners, don't uh, don't forget to attend meetings or you're going to get voluntold to do something for sure. <laughs> right. So what, what advice do you have for those considering, you know, a career in the trades or unfamiliar with the trades? Uh, what, tell, us, tell us what you would tell someone listening today. Um, I would tell anybody who, if they're not sure what they want to do with their life, if they have any aptitude for fixing anything, any trade would be a good choice, whether it be plumber, pipe fitter, electrician, a lot of people don't realize that you can make a pretty good living doing it, and uh, it's uh, very good, honest work. So we're really interested in, in learning a little bit more about the kind of the charity slash philanthropic piece of what you as the council president does. Uh, so tell us a little bit about some of these volunteer activities that 
uh, Pipefitters Local 208 and the, the Apprenticeship um, Center is pursuing. Talk to us about how you decide on which projects you as a council pursue. Just give us a little bit more background on how you got involved with, you know, the various food drives and Habitat for Humanity. Well, every year at the beginning of the school year in August, uh, we kind of have a welcome back for the new school year meeting, and then they'll uh, vote in or, uh, I guess, reelect any new members or existing members that are going to stay on in the council. Usually after that, we get maybe one meeting to kind of get familiar, and then we'll start talking about what we want to do to give back. And we always try to do something in the fall and something in the spring. The last three or so years, I know for sure we've done a food drive before Thanksgiving, I know it's been a little bit harder for us to do more of the hands-on stuff like Habitat for Humanity with COVID and all that sort of thing. I do know that one of the years we did it, this was before my time, uh, the story that our coordinator told us, ironically, was they had scheduled eight hours of work for us to do at Habitat for Humanity, thinking that it was going to be uh, your normal everyday person volunteering, not understanding that we're trade workers, and we did the eight hours worth of work in four hours worth of time. So that's pretty cool. That's great. And I bet it was built to a higher standard for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we can do it this year. We've already done the food drive, and uh, I voiced to Eric that I think it'd be really cool to actually use our skills to do something like that back. So how, how is uh, food drives and habitat, how are those received by your fellow apprentices, and how is it supported by the local? Is there, uh, you know, big enthusiasm for for doing these projects, do you have more people than you have opportunities? Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I think it's definitely supported. I'm not sure how much food we brought in this year, but last year in our food drive, we brought in enough to fill the whole back of a full-size pickup truck that we donated. And that's in about four or five weeks worth of uh, food drive time, I guess, if you will. We tried to start it and end it with enough time to get it donated somewhere in time for Thanksgiving. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, why you and your colleagues place emphasis on you know, giving back to the community and, and is it something that, you know, uh, is a personal choice or is it something part of your apprenticeship program or how does that work? Well, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, it's, it's important, I think, to everybody that, that at least uh, participates in it, that, you know, it's always able to help out people who may be less fortunate than ourselves. We do also, uh, you know, not just the community. Sometimes there's times where we'll volunteer for Christmas parties at the local to help set up and tear down, or maybe there are retirees get-togethers, or other times, um, I think I know in the past we've also volunteered to help out with Boy Scout events. So it kind of every year it, it changes, ebbs and flows, just based on uh, maybe new members' ideas that have come into the council or old ideas that maybe we maybe didn't get to the year before. So talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, you've been doing this for a number of years. How does that, you know, food drive or how do those volunteering opportunities translate? Do you, do you all go deliver the food together or do you, do you get to see kind of the recipients receiving those services or how does that all work? I haven't personally gotten to see, but I, what we do is, um, you know, somebody in the council will volunteer maybe to make some flyers, put around the hall. Somebody else will maybe uh, decorate and build the collection boxes. And then uh, we'll all decide and vote on a set amount of time that we think we're going to be able to bring in a decent amount of food to uh, deliver to a nonprofit somewhere or a food drive or something along those lines. Generally, it'll just take a couple of volunteers to help the coordinator get it all put together and loaded in a truck and uh, 
beforehand, we will have made phone calls to decide which nonprofit or food drive place we were going to make the donation to that year. So fast forward, uh, you're graduating from your apprenticeship program here about a year. So once you graduate, how do you see yourself staying involved in, in this type of activity or is there more opportunities to engage outside the Apprenticeship Council for members at 208? Honestly, no, that one. I'm not sure because this is something just specific to the apprentices that we do, you know, through the apprenticeship. And it's not just the council. The council comes up with the idea and organizes it, but we try to involve, you know, all of the other apprentices. I think on average, there's at least 250 apprentices going through the program at any given time or give or take somewhere around there. I wouldn't doubt that there are other things that the hall does, you know, at a union level or at a hall level for journeymen that they could maybe volunteer and give back as well. Well, it sounds like, um, you know, the, the community bug uh, has bit you do, and it sounds like there will probably be a little bit more opportunities, Rusty, for, for you and your uh, fellow classmates to stay involved and, and be able to support the community, continue to support the community after you graduate. So that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. So uh, talk to us a little bit. We've talked to and, and interviewed several apprentices uh, throughout their career, what, what are you working on and, and uh, what do you what do you do during the day? Because I know that most of this activity you're talking about is is after hours or kind of on your free time. What, what do you what do you do during the day? Who do you work for? Or who what systems you work on and what's your specialty? Well, I'm on the um, service side or service contract of 208, so that means I do commercial HVAC service. So uh, not as much pipe fitting as it is. Uh, a lot of electrical troubleshooting, stuff like that on large package units, boiler, chillers. I mean, any given day, I just fixed a chiller yesterday at a place that uh, blows bottles for vinegar, you know, those one-gallon bottles for vinegar. That's the cool thing about doing the HVAC is, you know, I could work on a chiller yesterday. Today, I was doing maintenance, watching boilers run for a 19-story condominium complex, making sure that they're going to have heat through the winter. That's probably one of my favorite things is that, I'm looking at something new or different or have an opportunity to learn something new or different literally every day. So where do you see yourself in five years, Rusty? Um, five years, I think I'll probably still be out in the field. I don't know that it particularly matters, but I got into this trade pretty late. I'm 38 now. So by the time I turn out, I'll be pushing 40. And I don't know if uh, I want to beat myself up turning wrenches too much when I'm in my 50s. So it'd be nice to maybe move up into doing something else or maybe training people to do what I do now. Talk to me. I know what nonprofits uh, back to the back to the community giving component of this. I know what nonprofits you've worked with at uh, as part of 208. So on a personal level, uh, I would I would imagine that you know working with food banks and Habitat for Humanity isn't the first time you've uh, worked worked for or participated in or supported a nonprofit. What, what personal nonprofits? Do you admire what, what, what are you and or maybe your family involved with outside of Habitat for Humanity and, and the food bank drive? Well, there's one thing that I, um, I suggested. I think it was the, my first year for the uh, council to do. And I'm not quite sure why it didn't work out. But one thing that my older sister does every year is the uh, coat drive for the homeless here in Denver where you donate coats and socks and, you know, warm weather clothes, like maybe long underwear. Maybe I just posed the question wrong when we were going to do it. I was thinking that maybe we would collect everything and then give it to her and then she would donate it. Maybe that's why it didn't work because it wouldn't be a donation from the hall. But I've got quite a bit of family that does stuff like that. I've got a sister. It's not necessarily giving anything in particular, but she volunteers for um, uh, hotlines if anybody needs any kind of mental 
mental help. She's uh, like in the psychiatry, psychology field. Uh, it sounds like your family is really involved in making this community a great place. So thank you for that. Last question, maybe a trick question. We always throw throw one in, you know, obviously you were working uh, side by side with maybe an HVAC contractor that got you into the trade, but go back to when you're, you know, junior high, high school, young kid, what did you dream of doing? Uh, what was your dream job? My dream job back then, probably all the way up until I was about 16, was to turn wrenches and fix cars with my dad, because I knew my dad was one of the best automotive technicians in the round. And I always thought that would be cool. I was talking to him one day about how I wanted to go to some fancy college, uh, Wyoming Tech, which is really known for its automotive classes. And uh, he pulled me aside and looked me right in the face and said, I sure wish you wouldn't do that. I wish you'd do something with your brain to make money instead of your body, because fixing things and turning wrenches is pretty hard on the body. So I uh, made a hard left and decided I was going to be a network administrator and took every computer class that my high school offered all the way up until I graduated. Still by luck and happenstance, about 13 years after that, ended up being a mechanic of a different sort anyways. So here we are. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being so generous with your time and uh, sharing your stories with us. For our listeners who are looking for more information on Pipefitters 208, please visit pipe208.com. Rusty, anything else that you uh, we didn't cover that you'd like to cover before we close out our show? I just wouldn't mind going back to just say if anybody is unsure about what they're doing, another thing that made me decide to come do this is there's a shortage for anybody and in any kind of trade. If you're absolutely at all not for sure what you want to do, it'd be worth at least giving it a shot, trying to try a trade and find out whether you like it or not. Well, we're going to have to put you on the road, Rusty. That's great because uh, you are right. Uh, in Colorado, by the year 2030, we're going to need 50,000 more construction workers uh, and the mechanical, plumbing, and HVAC trades uh, along with our electrical counterparts, account for, you know, about 30 to 40% of that overall number. And so there's great career opportunities, great career growth, great career trajectory uh, and advancement. And uh, not only do you go to school to learn the trade, but we pay you to go to school. We pay you. It's a, it's a paying position while you're attending school, I should say. Any more information you'd like to learn on that, please visit our website as well rmmca.org. Rusty, I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for joining us and helping our listeners know a little bit more about the season of giving from a Pipefitters 2A perspective and uh, your role as the Apprenticeship Council uh, President. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that will conclude our show for today. Stay tuned for more industry insights, news, and information about the women and men building our skylines, building our communities, building our future. Tradeswork is a production of the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Contractors Association. For more information about our organization, please visit rmmca.org.